AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, you've heard me say it. The time is counting down through the end of the month here in January. Download the KDOS 1060 app and register as you could potentially be a winner of six throw hoops tickets to downtown Phoenix. All the food, all the drink is included as well. It's pretty simple. Apple Android users, download the KDOS 1060 app. From there, make sure you're registered so we know who you are and who to give the tickets to when you are the winner. Follow along with the listener rewards instructions and you're entered in for those sixth row hoops tickets to downtown Phoenix. In addition to that, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, it's underway uh, in the month of February. And we have general admission tickets for you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So get yourself registered for those tickets upcoming as well. It is the extra point here on this Thursday, January 25th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And let's get things started here with the poll questions, and we'll start the day's questions with the KDOS1060.com poll question. First up, Bob had a conversation with Ben Raven of MLive.com, getting the Lions' perspective and how they're in this NFC Championship game. So who do you have on Sunday, ATS, Detroit plus 7 or San Francisco minus 7? And the masses are currently on Detroit side of things to the tune of 60% of the vote, San Francisco at 40%. The Niners, they've been favored in every game this season. The Lions have been in one previous NFC Championship game ever in 1991 when they lost at Washington. I did not realize that the 49ers were favored in every single game this season, but I guess that would make sense uh, with their, well, the opponents that they were facing at times and then also just how good this team is. True. The opposite of the Cardinals who weren't favored in any game they played this season. Well, that's a question that we will officially answer today around 1230. So still plenty of time for you to cast your vote over on X at KDOS AM 1060. Jim Harbaugh, the new Chargers head coach. Do you approve or disapprove? And the masses are on the side of approve to the tune of 84.6 percent of the vote. Disapprove sitting at 15.4 percent. Harbo's staff is expected to include some of his assistants at the University of Michigan, including defensive coordinator Jesse Minter. Sharon Moore is expected to be the next coach at the University of Michigan. Of course, he was the interim coach uh, for uh, several games this past year when Harbaugh was actually suspended for half of the 12 regular season games that Michigan played. Uh, I believe Moore was the uh, interim head coach in four of those games. Uh, So uh, there's that. And actually, uh, Ben Raven joining me in the last hour, I talked to uh, 99% of the interview was about the Lions, but the last uh, couple of questions or last topic 
was about Jim Harbaugh leaving the University of Michigan, so we covered it all with Ben. Fantastic stuff there. Uh, and then a little bit ago, it was announced that the Panthers are moving forward with Dave Canales as their next head coach. Canales, first year offensive play caller with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. So maybe a little bit of a surprise, uh, the ascension and the trajectory that he's been on, but he's tasked with uh, getting the best out of Bryce Young. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, but he got the most out uh, of Baker Mayfield. I mean, maybe... Yeah, Baker Mayfield was a flop in Carolina, so maybe they were just so impressed that he did that, you know, did that much with Mayfield one year later that they had to hire him. I will other say, I'll say one other thing about the Panthers is that uh, was that this week or they recently have hired Dan Morgan uh, to be their general manager, uh, former University of Miami player. That guy was a tackling machine when he was in college and a good NFL player before he had to retire early because of injury. Uh, and he was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, you know, Canales in uh, Morgan, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I should know this uh, before I say it, but I'm pretty sure they were on the staff together for at one point with Pete Carroll in Seattle. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, we'll get into much more about the coaching hires, who's left, who's not, more about Jim Harbaugh, dissecting uh, just kind of his career as well. So we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. But we got to get things started here with the Phoenix Suns and, of course, making room for you to chime in if you'd like to. 11.30 and 12.15 today are about the times we'll be looking for those calls. 602-260-1060 is the number. But the Suns, they stomped on the Mavs yesterday night, 132-109. to But it didn't always look like that. That was going to be the outcome there, especially the first quarter with the Mavs scoring 34 points and doing so with the efficiency from behind the arc, 7 of 10. The Suns with just 25 points in that first quarter. The Suns were able to close the gap to just one point by the half. And then the, the third quarter takeover by Devin Booker in all 46 points for him, 17 of 23, 6 of 10 from three, seven rebounds and three assists. Actually, the Suns, amazingly, this is almost impossible. They allowed 50 points in the first 18 minutes of this game. That's like, if you do the math, I mean, that's, that's really difficult. Even in the high-scoring days of the NBA that we're currently watching. Uh, so, yeah, but then in, uh, they actually, you know, they really took the, took the lead at the start of the second half after the technical foul to start the second half after... You know, Luca got teed up at the end of the first half. They don't shoot that until the start of the second half. So they took the lead. And then, you know, the Mavericks, and uh, as I mentioned during the sports zone, I think this bears repeating. Rarely, and I hear, I hear a lot of people say this, but rarely do I say that a team quit. And there is zero doubt, however, that the Mavericks were, you know, they, they just flat quit in the second half once they fell behind, including Luca. I mean, they just gave up. I mean, it was unprofessional uh, that they that any team would play to that standard. Uh, you know, if uh, you know, if I were a Mavericks fan or if we were doing Dallas talk radio today, that would be the key topic. But we're not in Dallas. We're in Phoenix. So let's take the Sun side of this. This is actually the team in the last eight or nine days here in you know, seven straight games with wins that I anticipated seeing uh, a team with a dynamic offense with the so-called big three, a really bad defensive team 
those are the things that I thought we would see when this roster was poorly put together in July. And it took a while, but now we are seeing that on almost a game-by-game basis. They can outscore teams in the regular season and win most games. That's what we've seen lately. I'm still highly skeptical of whether they can actually stop anybody because at some point in the playoffs, no matter how good you are in offense, you've got to stop the opponent at some point in the postseason. I don't know if they can do that. In fact, I don't think they can do that as currently constructed. And I'm very skeptical that because of their salary cap limitations and their lack of a roster that has tradable players, whether they can upgrade before the February 8th trade deadline. I know you're talking about team defense there, but for me, uh, Kevin Durant's defense over the last couple of weeks has also just kind of really shown out to me. Uh, Again, on a night with two blocks for him, uh, it wasn't there for him scoring 12 points, 4 of 10, 0 for 4 from 3, but he found other ways to contribute, 10 rebounds and 7 assists. And uh, Bradley Beal, for him on the night, 20 points, 8 of 15, 3 of 7 from 3, 7 rebounds and 7 assists. I, I think that transition defense really showed showed itself uh, to be pretty terrible there in the first half, and especially in the first quarter. It tightened a little bit up there in the second. But for me, uh, the big takeaway defensively, though, has just been individually Kevin Durant. He's been good. I mean, Okogi was the guy last night, though. Um, you know, after you know, Luca had the twenty, what do you have, like twenty-two points in like the first eighteen minutes of the game. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely did a better job on him, and then he like, quit himself in the second half of the game and apparently got some Suns fan in the you know, first row ejected from the game for heckling. I don't know if I've ever seen. I'm sure I have, but I don't remember a team in a visiting arena, a you know, visiting team's fan get ejected from a game for cheering. Uh, for their team, but apparently that happened last night with Luca. Uh, Luca has tremendous offensive skills, but I think Luca's a jerk. Uh, and in fact, if I were an NBA official, I made a note of this. Uh, you know, I you know, didn't get to it in the last hour because there were too many uh, more important things, in my opinion. But if I were an NBA official, I would absolutely, absolutely hate it. If I were forced to referee a game that had Luka Doncic and, and Devin Booker in the game, because there may not be two players in the NBA that complain more about every call than those two guys. It would be awful to officiate that game. Luka on the night, 34 points, 11 of 24, 4 of 11 from 3, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. And it certainly was a chippy contest right from the very beginning there with all those technicals. Uh, it certainly is signifying, though, that these two teams have this rivalry between each other. Do you like the chippiness? Do you like the chippiness in a regular season game in January? Yeah, I'm not buying the rivalry crap, however, uh, because the two guys that were main culprits were Grant Williams and uh, Nurkic, who have not even been part of this rivalry for more than three months. Well, in fairness, most of the Suns team has not been part of the rivalry well, that ensued so, in the playoffs right, right. so i don't you know, this rivalry crap i mean the nba is doing this rivalry week or whatever i mean they got like brooklyn and the nets the brooklyn and the, and the knicks playing tonight nobody if you're in if you live in new york city you don't give a damn about the nets you're a knicks fan and there's never been a rivalry really between the two teams except in the early 80s 
uh, when uh, Michael Ray Richardson was playing for the Nets and the Knicks thought they were still good. That's like the only time I can recall where there has been any rivalry, and that's like the big rivalry game either tonight or tomorrow. I forgot. I just saw the promo last night. You know, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, this rivalry crap is garbage. For the Suns, though, uh, it's seven wins in a row. And if you go back to their Christmas Day loss to the Mavericks there, there's been a bit of a turning point. They're 12-3 and three since then. So uh, things are improving here for the Phoenix Suns. Maybe having all three of the big three healthy on the court at the same time, uh, kind of maybe stumbling into something of having different lineups where Nurkic isn't out on the floor and uh, going a little bit small at times and being able to capitalize on the scoring opportunities. In the end, though, it has been uh, seven wins in a row for the Suns, and they are now sitting in fifth place in the NBA West standings at 26 and 18. Going through the West standings, the Thunder 31 and 13, the Timberwolves also 30. 31 and 13 the Nuggets 31 and 14 the Clippers 28 and 14 then behind the Suns the Pelicans 26 and 18 the Kings 24 and 18 the Mavs 24 and 20 the Lakers 22 and 23 and the Jazz in 10th place right now also at 22 and 23 for the Suns the road trip okay. can- timeout just a couple of things before I, you know, if I let you go longer I'll forget so you know, sorry about that uh, I want to add a couple, couple quick things. One, I agree with almost all that stuff you said about the Suns, with the exception of the small lineup thing, which they have not used. For, you know, they've used for eight minutes this season. Uh, they've not used that lineup, and I know you know last couple games they've had injuries, and that's you know made a difference. And and Gordon hasn't been available, but they didn't use that lineup for one second in the very next game when they played against the Pelicans. And before, you know, when Gordon was playing, they have not used that lineup in any part of any game since they had the monumental comeback against the Kings a couple of weeks ago. I do want to say one thing about Beal, though. Uh, He has been, I think, kind of shoved aside here because, you know, Duran and Duran had 43 and 40 on Sunday and Monday and Booker had 46 last night. But Beal in the last three games he has scored a very impressive and economical, I use that word in the first, during the sports zone, I'm going to use it again, 20, 18, and 25 points. He has made 26 of his last 46, uh, 26 of his last 48 field goal attempts. He's also had five or more assists in five of the last six games. So he's playing really well. And just because he's not scoring 40 like the other guys, I don't think he's getting enough attention. Yeah, Beal has definitely been the most consistent uh, here in this this stretch run, and I think doing exactly what you would hope for him to do. That if you know if it's going to be one person's night versus somebody else's, and then if it's not your night to quote unquote go off, that's kind of the terminology that I've been hearing in these post game press conferences uh, to at least be contributing with efficiency and at least you know 18, 20, 25 points. So he he's absolutely doing that right now okay let me just add one more thing from last night i think it should be mentioned and i mentioned it in the last hour and i'm going to mention it again this is game this game last night is another example why the nba regular season is just a complete waste of time uh kyrie irving has now missed 17 games this season you know he's now been with multiple organizations over the last few years he almost never plays a long period of time with consecutive games. 
And, you know, if he had been available last night, I don't think the Mavericks would have quit as quickly as they did in the third quarter. But once again, this is why the NBA is a joke during the regular season. Well, the Suns' road trip continues Friday night in Indiana facing the Pacers. The Pacers are actually playing today, hosting the 76ers, so when they play the Suns, it'll be a back-to-back for them. Uh, I don't believe that the Pacers will have Tyrese Halliburton again on Friday as he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. It's been a bit of an injury here for him as he did not play the previous time that the uh, Suns and Pacers met up last week. And in fact, Indiana is 1-5 in in their last six, largely been without. Halliburton and I believe I heard it mentioned yesterday that he may not play until after the all-star break which was after the Wednesday all-star break next week right that lead to next week I think it is so he may he might be out for a while um so we will certainly uh, monitor that situation with the Suns playing the Pacers on Friday how'd the Bucks do in their first game without Adrian Griffin well, they did get a win, a 126-116 to win over the Cavaliers. Giannis, 35 points. Damian Lillard, 28 points. But now the attention obviously turns to Doc Rivers joining the Bucks and how they will be uh, with their all-in effort to win a championship this season in Milwaukee. On the other side of the break, we will turn our attention to Jim Harbaugh as he's been named the next uh, Chargers head coach. Also, it looks like Dave Canales this morning been named the Panthers head coach. So we'll dive into that here in the extra point on KDOS AM 1060. social information about kdus am 1060 try kdus 1060.com at kdus am 1060 on twitter and facebook.com slash kdus am 1060 point here on kdus am 1060 as always follow along with us online at kdus 1060.com and with the kdus 1060 app jim harbaugh he's been named the next chargers head coach according to adam schefter it's a five-year deal for harbaugh we talked about it yesterday when we answered the poll question about how he has been a winner as a coach everywhere he's gone. So I thought we could take a little bit of a deeper dive into that, the records, et cetera, and get your opinion on how you think Harbaugh has evolved. And if evolved isn't the right word, maybe adapted or changed as a head coach uh, throughout his time and, and kind of what we think he'll be able to accomplish there with uh, Los Angeles Chargers. But he got his coaching career as a head coach started with San Diego 2004 to 2006 and in 2004 he went seven and four ended the year with five straight wins in 2005 it was 11 and one for him and they won the pioneer football league in 2006 (laughs) it was also another 11 and one win season and a second straight pioneer football league championship He transitioned over into Stanford from 2007 to 2010. And I think, you know, 
winning at Stanford is is challenging, and we certainly know how much more challenging it's going to get in the age of, of NAL and everything that's happening now. It was still a challenge when Harbaugh was there. So in 2007, when he took over, he was 4-8. and eight. 2008, 5-7. and seven. 2009, 8-5. and five. 2010, 12 and one, and they went eight and one in the conference. Overall, it was 29 and 21 for him with the Cardinal. Yeah, and and really, I, I don't think he's really. You know, the word evolved. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure how to define that, but I don't think he's really changed much at all as a head football coach. Whether you know, I didn't see any of the USD games back in the day in the Pioneer League. <laughs> But uh, they certainly saw plenty of them in the Pac-12 and the Niners and then the University of Michigan. He's run, it's still control the line of scrimmage and run the ball. He had Andrew Luck uh, in, in, uh, at Stanford. And, you know, they were not a pass-first, pass-crazy team. Toby Gerhardt uh, was the running back. Obviously, in San Francisco, you know, they ran the ball there, needless to say, and Colin Kaepernick was part of them running the ball. Uh, and Alex Smith, part of the running the ball. Uh, and obviously at Michigan, it was, you know, even last year with uh, J.J. McCarthy as a very good college quarterback. And I think it's going to be a to go to NFL quarterback, by the way. Uh, but, it's, you know, they was run the ball. Yeah, that was in play defense, in, you know, special teams and, I don't think he's really his philosophy. Let's put it that way. His philosophy, I don't think, has changed at all uh, from the first time I saw him as a head coach when I was watching him when he was the coach at Stanford. Uh, with the 49ers, 2011 to 2014. In 2011, they went 13 and three, first in the NFC West. They lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship game. In 2012, he was 11-4-1, first in the NFC West, lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. 2013, 12-4, second in NFC West, lost to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. In 2014, 8-8, third in the NFC West, overall 44-19-1, and his playoff record 5-3. Um, do, does anything stand out to you, though, about like why his time as the 49ers head coach ended? Yeah, he, he and the general manager hated each other. Uh, so that was it. I mean, I think the other constant of Harbaugh is, you know, his philosophy hasn't changed in my opinion. You know, there's three. that they He's won everywhere he's been. And the third thing is it seems as if he wears out his welcome. Uh, and he, uh, I wouldn't, you know, he was at Michigan for nine years. But, yeah, it seemed like at the end, uh, it would have been interesting to see, for a lot of reasons, especially if you're born in Columbus, Ohio, like myself, it would have been interesting to see had they lost to Michigan or lost to Ohio State this year and not won the national championship with all the NCAA issues involving Harbaugh. And a lot of those are he is specifically named in some of the things by the NCAA. It would have been interesting uh, whether he would have remained the Michigan coach at the end of this year. Remember, he flirted with the NFL in each of the last two years uh, before he came back. And, you know, he was almost fired at the end of the 2020. You know, I think the only thing that kept them there was the COVID situation. And they really couldn't afford to move on. And they had they they actually cut his – he agreed to a pay cut then. But I, it seems as if he's 
not the most uh, he's difficult to get along with uh, in, over a long stretch of time. I think that has been a constant in his career. You mentioned it, Michigan. Um, kind of hard to fathom that he actually was there for nine years just because every stint yeah. previously was, you know, four years or less. Uh, but in 2015, 10 and three, well, they went six and two in the Big Ten. 2016, 10 and three, seven and two in the Big Ten. 2017, eight and five, five and four in the Big Ten. 2018, 10 and three, nine and one in the Big Ten. 2019, nine and four, six and three in the Big Ten. 2020 was just two and four with everything that was going on there. Uh, and then this is where everything kind of seemed to turn for Michigan. 2021, 12 and two, eight and one in the Big Ten. 2022, 13 and one, nine and zero in the Big Ten. And 2023, 12 and zero, nine and zero in the Big Ten. And of course, won it all. Overall, 86 and 25, and his Big Ten record, 60 and 17. Took him a bit to get over the Ohio State hurdle, but... Well, yeah. They lost the first six times they played against Ohio State when he was there. Um, you know, I liked him a whole lot more during the first six years than the last three as an Ohio State fan. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, the fact that, you know, they the COVID thing was a disaster, obviously, and, you know, not just, you know, I'm just talking football right now. Uh, disaster in 2022, and uh, they were uh, 2020. Excuse me, they were awful. But a lot of the guys that were fifth and six-year seniors on this year's national championship team were part of the program then. Uh, and you know they had 44 seniors, which is an unheard of number, uh, even in this day and age of college football. They had 44 seniors, and I think the best thing that Michigan did in the recent years, they've, they've recruited fine, but they have not recruited to the level of Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia. You know, usually they're like a top 10, fringe top 10 you know, recruiting thing. They have done, and he and his staff has done, a tremendous job of developing players once they got to Michigan. Uh, and yeah, he's going to be taking apparently a lot of the, or some, at least some of the, uh, Michigan offensive and defensive coaches with him, not Sharon Moore, who's going to be the next Michigan coach, I assume, but yeah, Jesse Minter, who has done an excellent job as the defensive coordinator there. He's supposedly going with him to be the chargers defensive coordinator, but yeah, the fact that they've excelled in player development which I think is something that is just not talked about enough in football, uh, in college, and even in the NFL. I mean, it's one thing you select the right players or recruit the right players in college, but if they don't get better while you have them as a player, they, you know, that you need to get the guys need to improve even after you get the most elite dudes, they still need to improve. And they've done an excellent job with player development. And I think that's the one thing with Harbaugh in his Michigan days especially. And even so, back in San Francisco at the 49ers, though they had some fringe guys, quote-unquote fringe guys in the NFL, while they were in San Francisco with him that improved. And uh, that, I think, is his strength as a head coach or a coach in the coaching staff because he's had good, excellent coaching staffs also. The one name that I heard, and I heard this from Bruce Feldman, because, uh, yes, I heard Jesse Minter probably going with him to 
to the Chargers. The other name that uh, Bruce Feldman thought Jim would like to be able to bring with him, but not sure if he'd be able to, Ben Herbert, and that is his director of strength and conditioning. And they really, yeah. uh, uh, Bruce Feldman really dissected how Ben Herbert's uh, program really seemed to help these Michigan players because oftentimes uh, not recruiting necessarily those four and five star guys, but finding players that fit. And I think along your lines of what you're saying about being able to develop them and teach them football mm-hmm. and, and put them in positions to succeed, but also building them up in ways that they have the strength and ability to do everything and fit it all together. That, that's an excellent point for sure. And, and Feldman is very close to the Michigan program for a variety of reasons. Obviously, he's covered college football for a long period of time, but he's also working with Fox. He's done a whole bunch of U of M games in the last few years here. Uh, and he has the, the infamous freaks list that he's been doing since his, I think he actually started that with Sports Illustrated like 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, but, you know, that, the freaks list has become something we all look forward to uh, right before. It, usually, if I remember correctly, it's like in August or something at some point when this is published. And Michigan's had a whole bunch of dudes uh, that have been in that freaks list in recent years. And he's very familiar with their personnel, and I'm sure the strength coach. I mean, Musa Smith, this guy we talked about, with he's been a kind of a bust with the Cowboys, but I think he was actually number one on Feldman's freak list last season before the 2022 season for Michigan. Uh, so we've talked about it. Where does Michigan turn? Well, it does look like Sharon Moore is set to replace Harbaugh. Zach Zinter posted on X Wednesday night, quote, no interviews needed. It's Papa Moore's time. So certainly getting love from the players there as well. But what's interesting here when we. Uh, Let, let's, can we stop there for one quick second? I think it's really important that he, you know, you know, for better or for worse, because Harbaugh was suspended for six of the 12 regular season games. And you know, and uh, and Moore was the interim coach for four of those games, including the last three games of the season, including the Ohio State game. That you know, they've gotten uh, you, know, you know, kind of you know, they wouldn't have had this opportunity to see him as a head coach had Harbaugh not been suspended. And obviously, you know, they the the, the impassioned speech that he made after they won at Penn State in that game and the post game with uh, Jenny Dell. Uh, you know, when he broke down and you know, broke into tears and so forth, just, you know, they have a much, you know, they, they have a sample size of him being a head coach at the college football level, even though he was not the head coach Monday through Friday, he obviously had to make some decisions, especially in that Penn state game. And even in the Ohio state game, uh, but definitely in the Penn state game, there were some you know, fourth down decisions. There was at least, there were a couple fourth down decisions in the Ohio state game too, which was a one score game as it turned out. But the fact that they have seen him on the job training as a head coach, they wouldn't have that opportunity at hard had a hardball actually been able to coach all the games. Uh, in the college landscape now with Harbaugh's departure to the NFL, it leaves three of the four coaches that were in the CFP coaching elsewhere or somewhere else. Nick Saban retired, Harbaugh to the Chargers, Kalen DeBoer left Washington, yeah. now with Alabama, and Steve Sarkeesian is the only one left uh, with Texas. Also, 
in college with Harbaugh and Saban out, you now only have three active FBS coaches that have national titles. Georgia's Kirby Smart, Clemson's Dabo Sweeney, and UNC's Mac Brown when he was with Texas. Yeah, let me add one thing about Sarkeesian. I mean, he's the one guy, I didn't even thought about that thing about the CFP Final Four there. But he's the guy that stayed, and that was after he or his agent or the media or a combination thereof, uh, there was speculation that he might go to Alabama and replace Saban. And uh, as a result, Sarkeesian got a contract extension through 2030 from Texas to stay. You know, I think Saban's retirement ended up getting a lot of coaches paid. Mike Mornervell got a raise to stay at uh, Florida State. Yep. Sarkeesian as well. Kalen DeBoer getting an upgrade to go to Alabama. I would even have to think Jed Fish getting a raise to go gonna, to Washington. I was going to add that if you didn't get to that. So, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's been amazing. It's yeah, him, his Saban's retirement has you know, benefited like a half dozen coaches right off the top of our heads. It's amazing. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll also continue the NFL coaching landscape. Dave Canales uh, is the name from this morning, but there's also coordinators on the move. We'll dive into all of that next, but love to hear from you. 602-260-1060 is the number. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point on Thursday, January 25th. Follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Right now with the KDOS 1060 app, Apple Android users download the app. Then make sure you're registered so we can figure out who you are if you are the appropriate winner for the several contests that we have going on uh just for a few more days through the end of january there are six throw hoops tickets downtown phoenix is where the game is contested uh all the food all the drinks included uh so get yourself eligible for those six throw hoops tickets from downtown phoenix with the kdos 1060 app and then the waste management phoenix open is coming to the valley in scottsdale in a couple of weeks time we have ga tickets for you a pair wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and the KDOS 1060 app is the place to be to be a winner. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in, but continuing with the coaching landscape, uh, we'll stick with the head coaching uh, with the announcement this morning here that Dave Canales is going to be the Panthers' next head coach. If you look at his ascension here in 2009 he was with usc as an assistant strength coach 
Then in 2010 to 2017, he became the Seahawks wide receivers coach. And then he became the quarterbacks coach 2018 to 2019 with the Seahawks. And then staying with the Seahawks from 2020 to 2021, the passing game coordinator. And then he was back to the quarterbacks coach in 2022, uh, also with the Seahawks, progressing into being the offensive coordinator, first time calling plays with the Buccaneers this season. And now he will be the Panthers head coach in 2021. Full disclosure, I didn't even know who he was until like a month ago. Um, and when it, you know, you know, Baker Mayfield's really good. Who's their coordinator now? I remember, you know, obviously Byron Leftwich. That was a disaster. Uh, so he was no longer the coordinator in uh, in Tampa, and you know, they were pretty mediocre for a lot lot of the season. They lost, they actually lost six out of seven games. During a one stretch during the season, they still made the playoffs. And Mayfield was unbelievably good and efficient in the last you know four or five games of the regular season. And you know that game in Green Bay is one of the best quarterback games we've seen all year, and that's saying something this year in the NFL. And I didn't even know who Canales was until that period of time, and we know who he is now. It's interesting, though. Um, was it you that I heard saying this, or maybe it was somebody else talking about Canales' play calling in that Lions uh, uh divisional round game talking about just not really giving the extra help that Baker needed in order to uh, have the protection slide where they needed to slide because he was under duress for a lot of that game. Well, it was kind of me. I don't know if I exactly used that, you know, formula there but i just didn't understand how the first little the actual first series of the game you know the, the lions they and they did this the whole game uh they either brought a corner or a slot blitzer and you know by the end of the game in the last series of the game they were still doing it and tampa bay never adjusted and you know we're talking i'm guessing usually an nfl game has 10 to 12 drives for per team they from the first drive to the last drive, they never figured that out at any point, and that was my criticism about the Canales and the Tampa Bay, uh, you know, lost to the Lions when we talked about it on Monday. So he'll be the Panthers' head coach. He'll have to figure out the offensive line is a big issue. Uh, getting in some players there, in addition to helping helping Bryce Young develop into an NFL quarterback. Can he get Bryce Young to grow and get taller? Uh, if he can do that, I'd be really impressed. Uh, until that happens, I'm pretty close to the stage where I don't think Bryce Young's ever going to be a difference-making NFL quarterback. Uh, he's just too damn short. Uh, and much like Kyler Murray, gets a whole lot of passes batted down. I will say one thing. I think that Bryce Young has a much better understanding of the game and understands things around him more than Kyler Murray does. But I would be very surprised if either of them are ever anywhere near an elite quarterback. Uh, you know what we'll do? We'll take a break now. We'll come back and we'll get into Vic Fangio and he's on the move. 
Uh, we'll also look at some of the other options then for the Dolphins uh, as they're go now going to be looking for a third defensive coordinator in the last three years. So we'll get into that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. The next chance for phone calls today will be about 1215. The number 602-260-1060 to chime in. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060 online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app wrapping up our number one here on this Thursday, January 25th, continuing some news and information about the NFL coaching landscape. So last night you had the Dolphins uh booking for a new defensive coordinator as Vic Fangio and the Dolphins mutually agreed to part ways. When you look at the Dolphins and Vic Fangio's defense this year, they finished 10th in yards allowed, 22nd in points given up, 3rd in sacks with 56, tied for 8th in turnovers with 27. I saw this morning from Adam Schefter that Fangio is expected to be on his way to sign a contract with the Philadelphia Eagles this morning. Remember, he was a consultant for two weeks or so ahead of the Eagles run in the Super Bowl. And I think his family lives there, too, uh, in Jersey or Philadelphia, how that, however that you know, dynamic works there. Um, somewhat familiar with the geography there, but it seems like, uh, does anybody live in Philadelphia? <laughs> seems like everybody lives in New Jersey, but whatever. Uh, but apparently, and I had no idea about this until yesterday, but, <clears throat> excuse me, both the, uh, <clears throat> gosh, darn, uh, both the television networks, NFL Network and ESPN, seems as if uh, Mike McDaniel and, uh, and Vic Fangio, they just don't like each other. Uh, the other thing, you read those, read those numbers about the Dolphins' defense. I don't think they had one game this season. I'm not exaggerating here. I don't think they had one game this season where like their five or six best defensive players were all in the field simultaneously, even for one game. Uh, so you know, I think that those numbers are pretty impressive considering they were shorthanded. And, and we're talking missing some key players, whether it was the three pass rushers, they were all out by the end of the season. Uh, obviously, you know they had defensive. Their top, you know, two of their top three defensive backs missed, you know, major time. Uh, so those numbers are pretty good. They also, I will say though, which this makes things easier for any defense to excel or play better than maybe they actually are, is that when you're playing for the lead in the lead, and then they had some monster leads against some bad teams early in the season. A lot easier to play from the lead and play defense than when you're chasing points. Um, you know, it, it kind of seemed to me that Vic Fangio um, was like 
brought in to coach the defense, but it was like twisting arms. And when they made him the highest paid defensive coordinator, you're like, how can I turn this down? And that's just how I seem to remember the offseason going. But uh, I could be incorrect on that. So now he's at least to me like where he kind of really wanted to be the whole time. That's entirely possible. Also, when he was the head coach in Denver, uh, how can we put this? How can I put this? I think it's safe to say he was a surly individual, at least in the media. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I'm not that surprised uh, just based – maybe I'm being unfair, but I'm not that surprised based on that that he maybe didn't get along with McDaniel. And I'm guessing he probably didn't get along with some others in that organization also. Uh, for the Dolphins, they could turn internally to look at linebackers coach Anthony Campanelli uh, for their defensive coordinator position. And the other name I heard, former Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. That's the only name I've heard in the last 24 hours. That seemed to be the dead you know, cinch guy that he's going to get this job. Uh, certainly NFL Network believes that's going to be the next guy. Uh, so we'll see if they're right about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, that's the deal there, and uh, yeah, we'll see. As long you know, as long as Brandon Staley doesn't have to, if he's a defensive coordinator, it won't be his job to make bad fourth down decisions on offense. Uh, then I'm also seeing here that the Browns have requested an interview with Kellen Moore for their uh, vacant offensive coordinator job, and the Chargers are expected to uh, allow him to speak with other teams. Obviously, <laughs> with Jim Harbaugh coming in. Well, I'm sure that they've just, you know, here's your airfare and have a nice life. I mean, and why teams are still intrigued when Kellen Moore, I don't understand. Uh, you know, the Cowboys got in immediately got back. They immediately got better. They, they fired him with good reason. They weren't as good as they should have been when he was the offensive coordinator for what, two or three years. And remember McCarthy inherited him and had to use him as an offensive coordinator there. I don't know if he ever really wanted him. And then the offense with San Diego this year is maybe a little incomplete because they had so many offensive line injuries. But I think you can say that nobody, if they watched the Chargers on a semi-regular basis, thought that the offense was as good as it should have been. So while Kel why Kellen Moore is still getting job interviews is just mind-boggling to me. Dan he has proven two places that he's not capable of of being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. That'll do it for hour number one. Hour number two is up next uh, right here on KDOS AM 1060.